Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Because this is the greatest day of the year for us. It's party time. It's party time. And what's the best party that you've ever been to? Was it a New Year's Eve party? Was it a birthday party? An office celebration? A surprise party, maybe? Was it for you or for someone else? Can you talk about it in church? You know, there's a friend of mine that had a party that when I heard about his party, it made me smile. It was his 12th birthday party, and his brothers put it together for him, and they set it up by sending him a letter uh, like a week ahead of time, and it said that he had been cast in the lead in an upcoming production action film called called Shinbo. And uh, his friend also received invitations, and for two days, the day before his birthday and the day of his birthday, in the summer of 1988, they filmed the most epic action movie film ever. And it was a party of of all parties. And you know what? The next summer, they did it again. They did Shimbo 2, which was, uh, and they called it Shimbo 2, The Revenge. I thought that was cute. You know, I personally have had some great parties, and I know you have too. I'll never forget my 50th uh, uh, birthday party here at Valley Community Church. Folks here at Valley rose up and threw me a surprise party, and man, it was awesome. Uh, food, fun, friends. They had videotapes, uh, or video from friends far away that, uh, that spoke into my life and prayed a blessing over me. It was awesome. I'll never forget my 40th either. That, at that time, Andrea, of course, did another surprise party at my 40th, and, and all my children, who were very small in those days, uh, sing, all, each of them sang me a song and made me cry. I'll never forget that one. So as I think of great parties, and I, you think of great parties, you know, I've come to the conclusion that there are some basic ingredients that make a party awesome, make it special. And I'm not talking about food and decorations or even pinatas. I'm talking about those things which are foundational that make it a great party. Three ingredients, really, that make up a great party. Number one you got to have a purpose worth celebrating, right? You show up to a party. What are we celebrating? I don't know. How'd you get here? No, no, no. It's a birthday, an achievement, a holiday. Secondly, you got to have some people worth inviting. Okay, You can't have a party by yourself, can you? Well, I guess maybe we've tried, but that doesn't work. you got to have some people, right? People that you love, people that you like hanging with. You're going to have a great party. And then thirdly, you got to have some memorable moments. you got to have some things that you'll never forget. A fun, it's moving, an inspiring experience. So today we're celebrating the biggest event of our faith, the resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord, amen? And he's our Savior. And we're making it a big deal because our whole city, our whole nation, Lord willing, all across the world, they're celebrating it too. Today we're celebrating the life, the sacrifice, and the resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, our awesome big brother who made our redemption possible. He made it possible that we could not only attend this party, but the biggest one that has ever been thrown in the future. It's coming, coming very soon. So let me make sure you understand why we see it this way. 
Let's look at a, a little closer at these ingredients, these three ingredients that I just shared with you. Let's break them down a little bit. First of all, a purpose worth celebrating. There is no greater call for celebration than the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, no doubt. And at this time of the year is when we celebrate it, we throw a party. Look at Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the, and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. That would have been a sight to see just in and of itself. But the angel's appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the, woman, to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. These next words are critical. He is not here. For he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where they lay him. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he has gone before you to Galilee. There you'll see him. See, I have told you so. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and with great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go. And tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there you will see me. It's one thing to die a sacrificial death, isn't it? The way he did. As an, and it's an amazing example of a life well lived. But it's another thing to come back the way he did. And it proves everything to everyone the claims that he had been giving about who he was and the fact that he was a king, a king of the world. And all of that was legit. No other, greatest, no other religious leader has done this. No other person of renown has even touched what Jesus did. Jesus died, but he's alive. And that's a party worth celebrating right there. That's a purpose. So we can all trust Jesus. We can trust him. And this is the message, of course, that the leaders got a hold of. How do you know that they believed him? Because they spread it. They went crazy and told the world. They traveled, and they said this. He is alive. Look at Acts chapter 4. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And great grace was upon them all. They got it. They knew exactly what the party was all about. And there's another reason worth celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Look at this, Romans 8, verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Guess what? Death is not going to hold you and I either. Because it was defeated. Because Jesus rose from the dead, he has made us a promise. He said, oh, by the way, this is going to happen to you too. That is worth celebrating. That same power that conquered the grave, it lives in us. And more than just the thought of eternal life, folks, think of what is going on in us right now, what the potential is. What could happen if we would just get in touch with the idea that the power of Christ is in us? 
that power that raised Jesus from the dead, how will it not interact with the concept of, of death, of sin, of pain, of sorrow, of fear, if we just get a hold of it? Folks, it's party time. And here's how crucial the resurrection of Jesus is to Christians. Look at what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, uh, 15, 13. Uh, 15, verse 3 and 17. It says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Paul was saying, look, this whole thing that I've been preaching to you, this whole idea of the kingdom of God, this whole idea of the forgiveness of sins would be null and void if what, Je- if, if what Jesus said happened didn't happen, if what the disciples witnessed did not happen. It's absolutely critical. This day, it's party time. If the first Easter never happened, we would be stuck in our sin. So today we're celebrating two of the most powerful truths that we in our lives will ever come across. There's, there's nothing more, I mean, of all the parties we've ever had, of all the things we've ever experienced, these two truths are absolutely critical to it all. Number one, that because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of what happened on this day, relatively speaking, number one, our sins are forgiven by Jesus' death on the cross, Good Friday. On Good Friday, he died. He said, it is finished. That would have been enough. That would have been enough right there. That would have been enough for us to just say, amen. My sins are forgiven. My relationship with God is restored. What Me, having been uh, alienated from God, I am now made as close as a brother, brought back into relationship with my heavenly father. On Good Friday, we celebrate that. But also, the second thing, that our life is secure for eternity in Jesus' resurrection. On Good Friday, when he died, our sins were forgiven. But he rose up from the grave, my friends. He promised that we would do the same, too. He conquered death, and we will live for him, with him forever. Now, think about that. Think about that. That's worth partying every single day about. That You know what? We hear of people that pass away, and there have been a few young people that have passed away recently. It breaks our hearts. But having the knowledge of Jesus Christ, you know, we'll share some tears, we'll experience a little sadness for a short period of time. And even Paul talked about it, he said, so for only a limited period of time will you experience some sorrow, and it will all be swallowed up in victory. Knowing that our loved ones, our grandparents, Those who have gone before us, friends, family, we're going to see them all again, amen? Because death can't hold them down. That's worth partying about right there every single day. And I boil it down to this. No fear in life and no fear in death. No fear. That's worth partying about. So let's look at the second ingredient to a great party. The first is a purpose worth celebrating, and we've got one. Secondly, some people worth inviting. So who do you know that needs the truth of Easter in their lives today? It doesn't take us very long to think. We can think about our neighbors, our loved ones, 
And you might be sitting there. And, you know, last week we handed out invitations, and I hope you got one. I hope you're here today because you, of that invitation. But you know what? It's not just for one Sunday. It's not just for one particular day. A recent survey discovered that 82% of the unchurched are at least somewhat likely to attend a church if they're invited. Perhaps we need to pause on this response. Perhaps we need to restate it. More than 8 out of 10 of the unchurched said they would come to church if they were invited. If they just somebody would come to them and say, hey, you know, would you like to come with me? 8 out of every 10. That's incredible. I mean, that blows buying a new car out of the water, right? Or selling or giving away those free doodads at Sam's Club or something. This is amazing right here. What it tells us, folks, is that even though the news says that a belief in God is beginning to plummet in our nation, I don't believe all that, by the way. I think people have given up on the church is what they've done. They haven't given up on God. They're still waiting. They're still waiting to see him. And folks, we've got to invite them. Because just because they have had a bad experience, just because they don't really fully understand, it has to be a face-to-face thing. They've seen enough memes on Facebook. They've seen enough stuff out there. They've seen enough TV shows. They need to see it in your eyes and in your life. They need an invitation to the party. See, and I hope that no one misses out on the truth of Easter because they weren't invited. The truth is, we don't just celebrate Easter on one day. We celebrate it weekly, and that it isn't a joke. I promise you that. Every single Sunday, our minds are, you know what? This is the first day of the week. This is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. This is the day that for us, that the the Christians were filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the Lord's day. And all that is worth remembering happened on this day. There's a unique passage of Scripture in the Old Testament that, Old Testament that highlights the urgency of sharing the good news. We've got a party, and we need more people at the party. If we, were on, if we really want to make it a great party. But look at 2 Kings 7, 1 through 9. It says, now there were four men who were lepers at the entrance to the gate, and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say, let us enter the city, the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we're going to die also. So now let us come. Let us go over to the camp of the Syrians, because see, they, they were there to take over the city, to attack it. And they said, if they spare our lives, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall die, because they're thinking we're going to die anyway. Says, can't get any worse. So they take a chance. So they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. But when they came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was no one there. For the Lord had made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots and of horses, the sound of a great army, so that they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel was hired against us. He hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to come against us. In other words, their hearts were filled with fear over nothing over a shadow. So the Syrians fled away in the twilight and abandoned their tents, their horses, their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was and fled for their lives. And when there's these, these lepers came to the edge of the camp, they went into a tent, they ate and they drank, thinking, man, what a party this is. 
Unbelievable. They come to a camp where probably hundreds of thousands, well, maybe not that many, maybe 90 to 100,000 Syrian warriors have been all camping outside the city, and now every single one of them are gone. They leave their horses, their donkeys, their food, their everything. Some, in, in, in most cases, the food was just there, ready, hot, and ready to go. So the re- four, four lepers just walked in and say, let's eat. And they carried off silver and gold and clothing Hey, how does this look on me? Hey, man, that's looking good, bro. And they went, and they hid them. Then they came back and entered another tent and carried off those things, and they went from tent to tent and hid them. Then after a while, they said to one another, we're not doing what's right. This day is a day of good news, not just for us, but for all of Israel. And if we're silent and wait until the morning light, punishment will overtake us. Now, therefore, come. Let us go and tell the king's household. What we learned from this story is, you know what? It's not good to keep good news to ourselves. Here these guys were. They kind of represent people today. You know, lepers. I know that's a strong word, but those who are suffering, those who have had great need, those who have been alienated, those who have gone through hard times in their lives, and then they're just thinking, you know what, I've got nothing to lose here but to turn to Jesus. And, and we do that, and many of us represent that story, that we came to the end of ourselves, and we just said, man, Jesus, would you come into my heart? And he does. And then when we begin to move forward, we see God opening amazing doors for us, God doing amazing things for us. But we shouldn't be like them and not tell others. Because every time we move forward in faith, God meets us and he blesses us. Man, that's been my story. From the very moment I gave my life to Jesus Christ at 17, when I was growing up in a home of real struggle and pain and sorrow, I began to immediately experience the joy of the Lord. I began to experience the breakthroughs, God healing deep wounds inside of me. And then as I began to share the good news with my friends and with my family, people came to Christ and I saw miracles take place. Folks, it's not good. The party is waiting for us if we'll just invite others. You're likely here today yourselves because you've heard the good news of Jesus. You realized your own plight, starving, dying, searching, looking, flat out lost. And then, of course, then you found the life of the party, Jesus Christ. See, Scripture is full of stories where people are constantly bringing people to see Jesus, to meet Jesus, to touch Jesus, the sick, the needy, the hungry, the thirsty, the children. And Jesus always delivers. Everyone needs the good news, isn't that right? Everyone. Listen to this in Isaiah 55. Come, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich, rich food. Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. 
Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Folks, that's a good reason to party right there. Absolutely. And you know what? We sit there and we say amen and we enjoy that. We, we, we sit there and, and it's like we're at the party and we're sitting in our seat and we've got ourselves a big slab of cake. Big old slab. The biggest we can cut and not be embarrassed about having in our lap. But there it is and we're enjoying it and we're eating it and we're looking around the room and that yet we see a whole lot more cake there. We've all been there and seen how much cake is left over and you just think to yourself, gosh, I know a lot of people could enjoy that cake. The party can only get better. It can only get better. Acts chapter 2. Peter, after he's experienced this, he's referring to Jesus when he's talking about about invitations. He says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is Peter saying that. Here's a guy who's been with Jesus. He's he's testified. He's experienced it. He's experienced rejection and, of course, being brought back into the fold. And he says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's good news right there. So we're having a party today, and it's a great party because always when we invite people, here we are today, it's, you know, people are worth inviting. You're here today because probably somebody invited you. But we want to take this a little, a little further. We want, to, we want you to come back, don't we? You know, and, and I, I think about that from time to time as a pastor, is I think to myself, you know, when I realize, you know, every day should be a party. It should be just twice a year when we think about Jesus as a baby and, and Jesus on the cross. We shouldn't have just two parties a year. The truth is, folks, <laughs> as believers, our, pad, our party lasts every single day, and that's pretty amazing right there. It doesn't end today. If this is a party, if this is a party, how can we keep such good news to ourselves? There's so many who do not understand what God is saying to them. They don't. They, and they don't understand the clear message and maybe it's because we're not telling it correctly. I don't know, but Meredith, you know, she just got back from her tour and, and a testimony that she experienced as she was talking to this young lady that was, was with her in, in a part of the tour. Her testimony was that she spoke to Meredith and she said, do you think that I'm going to hell too? Because she wasn't a believer. And Meredith looks at her and says, Nope. You've only been invited to the party. There's an invitation. If you have any shadow or thought that that's where you're going, obviously you heard that from somewhere and someone, and it's probably someone who who did not know how to communicate the gospel correctly to her and just said, well, look, you're going to hell. And even though that may be true, folks, that's not the good news. The good news is you don't have to go there. The good news is that nobody has to go there. And the good news is, you know what? It's the simplest thing on the planet to do. Just take the invitation and show up. And I'm not talking about just showing up to church. I'm talking about showing up to Jesus. I'm talking about coming to him. So to pull off a great party, you've got to have a reason worth celebrating Jesus is alive. You've got to have some people worth inviting, and we all know some people. We all have 
folks that we know, people we work with, next-door neighbors, friends, acquaintances, divine appointments. And then finally, some memorable moments. Look at, look at our, our last Bible story at a memorable moment with Jesus. You know, in John chapter 4, Jesus meets this woman at the well. And it's one of those experiences that you know it was implanted on the hearts of the disciples for the rest of their lives. They probably told the story so many times they wore it out. But probably by the end of it, you know, their great-grandpas and, and great-grandpa, we don't want to hear that story again. We heard it a thousand times. But it was because they were so excited about it. It was because it was such a memorable thing. There they were, and there was a Samaritan woman getting water. And the very fact that Jesus would even go near her was, they were amazed. They're like, she's a Samaritan woman. Samaritans were worse than dogs to Jews because they were half-breed Jews. People left over from the diaspora. They came back, and they'd found that they had intermarried. They had lost track of their lineage. They were Jews by a little bit of blood, but had not kept track of who they were, and so they were despised. They were called Samaritans. We've heard of these people in the Bible several times, always with compassion and God reaching for them, always Jesus using them as an example to show Look, you got in your mind people who do not deserve salvation. I'm telling you, I'm going after them. So God goes, uh, so Jesus, yes, God, he goes to, and he sees the woman at the well and purposely goes up to her. She's drawing the water. They get into this discussion. And of course, she knows he's a, a full Jew. And she's probably just thinking, why is he talking to me? Why are you talking to me? And he's dialoguing. And all the disciples are probably keeping their distance going, we're not 100% convinced yet that this guy knows exactly what he's doing. But there's Jesus conversing. And they get into this little theological discussion. They go back and forth. And she says, look, we worship God on that mountain over there. And he goes, yeah, I see that mountain. Wrong mountain. He goes, you worship the way you guys worship, but you missed it. He, said, I, he says, no, the Father's really looking for spirit and truth. Not just spirit. A heart is not enough. He said, you've got to worship me. Because then she says, he says, I'll give you some water. You're dipping down for that water, but would you like some water that will last forever? And she's going, oh, that sounds pretty good. She says, yeah, give me some of that water. Water that lasts further? Yeah, I'll take it. He goes, I'm it. Then he goes on to prophesy. He begins to tell her about her life. He tells her very intimate things about the fact that she had been married like five times and the man that she was with was not her husband. And she's going, well, okay, what's going on here? And as a result, she has an incredible experience. Now look at four, John chapter 4, 28 and 30. So the woman left her water jar because she's so excited She's accepted Christ as her Savior. He has an opportunity, and she went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him, people by the droves. She has such a powerful time with Jesus. She goes and tells others, and they follow her. But watch this in John 4, 39 later. Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did, and that's all she had to say. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed with them two days. And many more believed because of his word. And they said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that I believe. For we heard for ourselves 
And we know now that this in, indeed, that you are indeed the Savior of the world. Some believed because of her story, but more came and heard for themselves. So you know what? Our story, your story, is an invitation that can change someone, someone's life if you'll just let it. Jesus will introduce himself to them here or there in whatever place that might be. And in that case, they said, all they heard was, wow, there's a party going on. And they showed up. They saw this woman and said, come see this guy. He's incredible. And then they came. And as a result, they met him themselves. They got to the party. She didn't have to do a song and dance. She didn't have to make the cake. She didn't have to do a single thing. Jesus did the rest. You know, I keep hearing from people over and over again in this community, and not, not just this community, but really everywhere I've been, how they can't understand when it comes to Valley Community Church how they didn't find our congregation sooner. Some people who come to Valley are angry with the church. They're hurt by the church. They're confused by the church, frustrated with the church, unaware what the church was even about, or turned off by the talk of money, of sin, and the obligation to serve. I don't know about all that. All I know is that I have a Savior who loves me and doesn't count my sins against me. He did not come to condemn the world, and neither can I. We're having a party here, and we want you to stay, and we want you to be a part of it. We want you to be a part of it. And so we can say, we want you to start over. Nobody walks through the door to a party and says, hey, man, are you feeling happy? Well, I don't know. I mean, are you coming here to really party? Well, I don't know. I mean, I didn't. No, that's it. Sorry, you can't come in. Well, I didn't even get a chance. And that's what it feels like sometimes going to church. It's just like I got to walk through all these hoops to finally enjoy it and get the message. That's not what we need to be doing. Because Jesus made it pretty clear that all are invited. It's a time to start over. It's time to start fresh. I encourage you to get people out of your way by forgiving them and moving on. Church is a celebration of what he has done for us, not what we do for you, and not what we even do for one another. When we see that the party is worth celebrating, I think others will be more inclined to come. What do you think? So in conclusion, let's pray this morning. Let's pray for someone that we know that needs to hear the message. You're here today, and if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you know what? I'm going to give you a chance to do that. Very simply, very easily. I don't know how you came here. I don't know why you came here, but God is obviously behind that. He drew you. But let's pray that God, for those of us who've been walking with the Lord, gives us fresh boldness to share about the great truth of Christ's kingdom, about his love and his mercy, his wonderful, faithful promise to forgive our sins and to remember our misdeeds no more. That he wants to give us a hope and a future. That he'll give us a solid assurance that we will live with him in heaven forever. A church... They did a prayer experiment and reported the results on the National Day of Prayer. What they found, folks, was an amazing thing. They took a phone book, just took a phone book, 
and they, they took a section out of the phone book and they said, you pray for these people. I think it was like, find this up, I think it was 160 names. And they prayed, and then they compared it to another group of names that they did not pray for. But they just invited him. Okay? So get that, 160 people. Divided it up, 80 names each side. 80 they prayed for, 80 they did not. But all 60 got invited. Of the 80 that they prayed for, 45 ended up coming. And of the other side, not a one. It's amazing what happens when we understand what the party's about. It's amazing what happens when we engage our living God and we get to that point where we just say, you know what? <laughs> Being a believer is supposed to be a party. It's supposed to be a celebration. It's supposed to be a rejoicing in what Jesus has done and what he is going to do. And we look with that with expectation. See, Jesus is the life of the party. That's what we're doing here today. We're celebrating him. We're celebrating what he has done, what he's doing, and what he will do in our lives. That can be ours today. 